big chapter in the Bible that is found in Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and turn there or get your LifeGate app ready to follow along today. And Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And in this chapter, man, there are some great, 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 great people. Hall of Fame, I mean, the heroes of the faith. And to this point in this series, I've got to admit, we have been very masculine. We have talked about a whole bunch of men in Hebrews chapter 11. If I got any guys here, can I hear you? Come on, let me get a little guy grunt. I got a lot of pink today, so I got to get a little guy grunt in there. But today, I got to tell you that although we have talked about a bunch of men so far, today is for the ladies. So do I have any ladies in the house today? Come on, can I hear you? Today is for the women. And I'm telling you what, man, women can be heroes. How many believe that? Come on, right? I believe that we got some moms that are in this place, some ladies that are in this place, some women that are in this place that are legendary, that are heroes of the faith. In fact, I was just thinking about this uh, this past week. My mom is my hero. Come on, anybody raise your hand and say, man, my mom, your mom is your hero. She is, I will tell you, legendary in her own right. She has taught me so many things as I was growing up. In fact, I thought I would just put a top 10 list of all the things that my mom taught me as I was growing up. We'll just start with number one, the first thing that she taught me. She taught me about religion. In fact, she told me, you better pray that stain comes out of the carpet. She taught me about religion. She taught me about time travel. She said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into next week. She taught me about that. Number three, she taught me about future planning. Maybe your mom taught you this as well. Always make sure and wear clean underwear in case you're in an emergency or an accident, right? Future planning, important stuff. She taught me about irony. She said, you keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Come on, any moms ever say that before? Number five, she taught me about contortionism. She said, will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? How am I supposed to do that, mom? I'm not really sure. She taught me about weather. She walked into my room and said, it looks like a tornado went through this room. She taught me about anticipation. She said, you just wait till your daddy gets home. Number eight, she taught me about humor. She said, when you're mowing the lawn, if your, lawn, if your toes get cut off, don't come running to me. Number nine, she taught me about wisdom. She said, when you get to be my age, you'll understand. And then number 10, the most important thing she taught me of all, she taught me about justice. She said, one day you'll have kids, and I hope they're just like you. <laughs> Come on, right? How many of you, your parents taught you some stuff? Your mom especially taught you some stuff. And women are incredible heroes of the faith. In fact, right here in Hebrews chapter 11, among all of these masculine men, powerful men of faith, right in the middle of that, God drops the name of this woman that we're going to talk about today. This woman is named Rahab. So everybody say Rahab. In fact, let's take a look at what the scripture says about Rahab in our text in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 31, right in the middle of the hall of fame of faith. It says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. 
Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. Like, if I was going to write a hall of fame of the greatest people in the Bible, the greatest people of faith, I got to tell you, I would want to include some women, because how many know there are some amazing women? Like, you read the Bible, and there are some incredible women of faith in the Bible. But I've got to be honest with you for just a second here today. If I were writing the hall of fame of faith, I would definitely include some women, but I probably wouldn't include Rahab. I mean, I might include, like, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I might include, like, you know, Queen Esther. I mean, incredible woman of faith. I might include people like Ruth. But honestly, you look at Rahab, and just to be real honest, I probably wouldn't put her in there. Because you look at her life, and she had a very dark and very shameful life. She wasn't exactly a good woman. She wasn't exactly a, a pure woman. In fact, right there we just read, the Bible says she was a, a prostitute. And yet you think about that for just a second. A prostitute is named in the Bible, in the chapter, that's known as the Hall of Fame, the heroes, the legends of the faith. And in the middle of that, God drops a woman who was a prostitute. Now, I don't know the whole backstory. I don't know how she became a prostitute. I don't know if that was her choice or if she was forced into that lifestyle, but I do know that she must have been filled with all kinds of shame and all kinds of guilt and all kinds of things. And yet what we see is that God chose to use this woman. In fact, if if Rahab could just sit down and have a talk with you today, if she could just tell you one thing about her life, I believe this would be the one thing that she could tell you. In fact, it's our bottom line, our key statement for today. And this, this is what I believe that Rahab would tell every single one of us. She would look us in the eye and she would say, God can use anyone. It doesn't matter what your past. It doesn't matter what your story. In fact, if you have ever doubted that God can use you, I would just tell you, look at my life. Rahab would say, I was a prostitute. I lived in guilt and shame, and I I am the least of all, and yet God chose to use me in such a way that even I was named with some of the heroes and the legends of the faith. If God can use me, he can use anyone. And some of you are here today and you look at your life and you look at your struggles and you look at your pain and you look at your past and you look at your shame and you look at your guilt and you look at these things and think, well, great, Pastor, God could use you, but how could God ever use me? But I would tell you that if God could use Rahab, he can use you. He can use anyone. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to see three things about Rahab today. The first one is this, is that God can use you even if your past is shameful. Man, that's what we see with Rahab, that, man, her past was pretty shameful. It was pretty messed up. It was pretty dark, and yet God shined his light upon it, and he used her in incredible ways. And the truth of the matter is this is the theme we see through the entire book of Hebrews, through the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. Like each one of these these great heroes that we have studied had some pretty dark past and had some pretty dark moments in their lives. I mean, you look at, at Noah. Noah got drunk and did some pretty horrible stuff. You look at Abraham. Even though he became the father of our faith, he also lied about his wife, said he was his, said she was his sister. Did it twice, not just once. We see that Moses was a murderer. He murdered someone. We see that Joseph was full of pride and arrogance about his dream. We see that Samson was a womanizer with a bad haircut. He might have even had one of those man buns. I don't know. That's just speculation. Not sure. But I mean, I'm telling you, if God can use these people, guess what? He can use you. And it's not just what we see in Hebrews chapter 11. It's through the whole Bible. 
Like if you look at the people in the Bible, the whole theme that runs through the entire, through the entire Bible is that God uses people that are messed up, people like Elijah who battled depression and like Jacob who was a liar and Jonah who ran from God and Peter who denied Jesus and Paul who went around murdering, murdering Christians and over and over and over and over we see that God uses people. In fact, he specializes in using people who have pretty shameful pasts. Some of you are here today and you're saying, but, you know, I got some stuff that, Pastor, you don't know about. And I come on Sunday and I seem like I got it all together and I put on my pretty face and I put on my pretty Mother's Day dress and I, and I, and I look like I got it all together, but you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I did. Maybe even some of you ladies that are here today and you would say, man, I got some shameful stuff that I can't even, I can't even speak of, but it haunts me. Maybe some of you, even moms that say, you know, today I feel guilty because we're, we're celebrating the moms, but I haven't been a very good mom. And I wasn't there for my kids like I should. Or maybe maybe some of you say, man, I've done some stuff. Or maybe I've had some stuff that has been done to me. And you look at your life and you say, how could God ever even heal me from what has happened? How could God ever even forgive me for what I have done, let alone use me? Rahab's story teaches us that no matter how shameful your past may have looked, that God has a purpose for your life. And here's the deal. If you're taking notes, you might want to write it down. Your past does not disqualify you from God's purposes. In fact, I want you to say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Your past does not disqualify you from God's purposes. Man, some of you look at your past and say, well, God couldn't use me. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that God has a purpose that is greater than your past. And I'll just tell you like the old preacher one time said, God never consults your past when he's planning your future. Come on. Hallelujah. You got to say it like that in order for it to be powerful, right? But here's the deal. You know what the scripture tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite passage of all the scripture. You know what it says? That God says, I have a plan for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and what? And a, a future right there in that passage. It never says that God's going to punish you for your past. It says God has plans for your future. Now, okay, well, that's cool. I can do whatever I want, and I won't have to have any problems or any struggles. No, no, no. We know that when we plant seeds, we're going to reap what we sow, right? We know that. But here's what's so amazing is that God is so great and that he is so, he is so good and he is so in love with you that he loves you despite your past. But he doesn't just love you in spite of your past. He will forgive you for your past. And even though you might have to reap a few things from what you sowed in your past, he can use you in spite of that. And your past does not disqualify you from God's future for your life. His purposes are greater than your past. Everybody say, his purposes are greater than my past. See, God can use anyone. Rahab would say, God can use you even if your past is shameful. Number two, I believe Rahab would tell us this. God can use you even if, even if your present is difficult. Man, you, you look at Rahab's life, and you gotta be you gotta be honest and say, hey, she had a shameful past, but she didn't exactly have a great a great present. I mean, you, you think about what she was what she was struggling with and dealing with in this moment in time. I mean, they had heard of the God who had done so many great things, and now that God has promised that He is going to give them the city of Jericho, and that the walls are going to come down. And, and in fact, it says it in Joshua chapter two and verse eight that Rahab goes in before the spies lay down at night, and she goes up on the roof and she says to them, "I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great 
fear has fallen upon us so that all who live in this country are melting with fear. Man, can you imagine? Here she is in this situation that not only has she got a pretty messed up past, like she ain't got too much good stuff going on in her, in her present. Like her city, literally her house, she lived in a house on the wall. Literally the house that she lived in was about to come crumbling down and she knew it. And she was filled with fear in the present moment. And some of you are here today and you're going, well, that's great that, pa- that God can forgive my past and he can even use me in spite of my past. But man, if I could get all the stuff together in my life right now, then maybe God can use me. But right now it feels like my life's kind of crumbling down around me. And so let me get it all fixed and let me get it all together before I let God use me. And here's what I want to tell you. You ain't going to ever get it all together on your own. And if you're waiting to get it all together before God can use you, God's not going to be able to use you. You see, you've got to be a person that says, hey, man, my life may seem like it's crumbling around me, but i got to trust that God still has a plan and still wants to use me for his purposes. See, Rahab would tell us, God, God can use you even if your past is dark, even if your present is difficult. Number three, check this one out. God can use you even if your future is uncertain. Man, if anybody had uncertainty in their future, it was Rahab. I mean, first of all, she knew the walls were getting ready to crumble down. Her house was going to be gone. Her city was going to be gone. And so she had a choice, and she had to choose whether she was going to do the right thing or not do the right thing. And she did choose the right thing. Aren't you thankful for that? She chose to follow God. She chose to, to harbor the spies and to be a part of the story and the plan that God, was, that God was writing. But even though she chose to do the right thing, she didn't know what the results of that were going to be in that moment. It's easy for us to look at Rahab's story and go, well, yeah, she hid the spies. She did the thing. She did what she was supposed to do, and it all worked out because she was saved. But she didn't know that's what was going to happen. In fact, I mean, just imagine how scary it would have been. If you go and you study in Joshua chapter 2, she was in her house, and the king of Jericho comes to her house looking, comes specifically to her house looking for the spies. And she's like, I don't know where they're at, you know. She had him hidden, right? And she could have very easily lost her life because of the decision that she made. She made the right decision, but she didn't know what the results of that decision were actually going to be. You know what that's called? That's called living by faith. In fact, here's a great definition of faith if you're taking notes. Faith is doing the right thing even when you don't know what the outcome's going to be. And some of us here, you know what? We do the right thing when we know it's all going to work out in our favor. But faith is going, hey, I don't know if it's going to work out. I'm not sure how it's going to work out. But I'm going to do the right thing, and I'm going to let God use me even in spite of my future that is unknown. You see, here's the truth. Is some of us are waiting on guarantees, but if you got a guarantee, you really don't got faith. <laughs> like if you have it all figured out and you know how it's all going to work out, that doesn't take faith, Right? Faith is when I don't know how it's going to work out, but I say, God, I'm going to allow you to use me anyway. And this is what Rahab did. You see, God used her in spite of the fact that she had a messed up past, in spite of the fact that she had some struggles in her present, in spite of the fact that her future was unknown, she allowed God to use her. My question is today, how many of you want to let God use you? Come on, raise your hand all over this room. I want to let God use me. So how do I become a person that God can use. Well, we got to look at Rahab. We got to see what she did. I think she did three things that are important. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, you just got to open up the door. Everybody say open up the door. In fact, this is what we see with Rahab is that 
the beginning of life change, the beginning of God using her, of God using her in such a way that she would find herself in the midst of the heroes of the faith, it all began because she opened the door that day. In fact, look what it says in Joshua chapter 2 and verse number 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun. You didn't know Joshua didn't have a dad, did you? He was the son of Nun. Come on, that's a, that's a bad preacher joke. Let's just, let's just move on. All right. Joshua, son of Nun. Y'all laughed. All right. Secretly, yeah, that was a sympathy laugh. I know. Then Joshua, son of Nun. Secretly sent two spies. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Here's what I want you to get, all right? God is searching for you. Some of you came here today. Just be honest, you aren't looking for God. You came today because it's Sunday and that's what you do. You came today because it's Mother's Day. Mom said we're going to church. And when mom says we're going to church on Mother's Day, we're going to church, right? That's the only reason you're here today. You didn't come in search of God, but can I just tell you something? You may not have came searching for God, but God is searching for you. You may not have come searching to be used by God, but guess what? God is searching to use you. In fact, that's what's so interesting about Rahab and about her story is that she wasn't looking for God, but God came looking for her. In fact, I mean, think about this. It just happened to be that. I mean, Rahab, she was just uh, just a woman who lived in Jericho, but she just happened to live in a house that was on the wall, and it just happened to be the, the very place that God sent the spies to enter into Jericho at that exact place, at that exact moment in time. We could call that coincidence, but I don't think it was coincidence. You know what it was? It was God was looking for her. Even though Rahab wasn't looking for God, God had a plan for her, and he searched her out. And he came knocking on her door. And can I tell you something? God's knocking on your door today. You know what? He could could knock it down if he wanted to. He's powerful enough to do that, but that's not what he does. He comes to the door of our heart and he knocks. He says, would you just open up? Would you just let me in? I have great things for you. If you would just open up the door and come in and allow me to come in, I could change your life. I could forgive you from the sin of your past. I could help you with the struggle that you're presently in. I have a hope and a future for your life. I don't want to just forgive you, but I want to use you for amazing things for me. If you just open up the door and let me come in, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for people that I can use if they'll just send Simply open the door to me. If you want God to use you, you got to open the door. Number two, if you want God to use you, you got to close the past. Everybody say close the past. See, when the spies showed up at Rahab's house, she opened the door. And when she allowed the spies in, when she became a part of God's plan, you know what? She didn't just open the door to God, but guess what? She closed the door to the person that she used to be. In fact, the reason that she was able to be in in the hall of fame of faith is because she was no longer the same person. In fact, that's what happens when we open the door and when we let when we allow God to come in, he changes us. In fact, the scripture says it like this, is that anyone that is in Christ is now a what? A new creation. The old life is gone and the new has come. When we open the door to God, he closes the door on our past and he makes us brand new. And how does that happen? It happens through the cross. It happens through the blood that Jesus shed for us upon the cross. In fact, we see that very cross foreshadowed in the story of Rahab. You see, the spies told her, 
hey, we're going to preserve you and your family, but here's the stipulation. Here's what you have to do. We're going to go back and we're going to give word on what we found here, and then we're going to bring the armies of Israel, and God's going God's to destroy this place, but we will save you, and we will save your family. We will preserve you. If you do this, you've got to get a scarlet rope, a red rope, and hang it out of the window so that when we come back, we will know that the, that the rope, the red rope, is in this window, and we will save everyone in this household. You know, it wasn't just a red rope, a scarlet rope. It wasn't just by coincidence that, it was, that that's what it was. Actually, it was a foreshadowing of what was to come, that Jesus would hang upon the cross, and he would be a part of the scarlet thread. As he, as he shed his blood, there would be a scarlet thread that would flow down his brow and onto his body, and because of his blood that was shed for us. You see, Rahab was saved because she hung a scarlet rope out of her window, but we can be saved today because a man covered in scarlet hung upon a cross for us to make us brand new in him so that when we open the door in him, he can close the past, the sin and the shame. In fact, as he, as he hung upon that cross, his last words were, it is finished. What was finished? A whole bunch of stuff, but some of the things that were finished was your shame and your past and your guilt and your sin and your insecurity and all the struggles of your present and even all the fears of your future. All of those things were finished and done and taken care of as he hung upon that cross. You open the door to him and he will close the door to your past. Come on. How do we become a people that God can use? We've got to open the door. Let him in. We've got to close, let him close all the guilt and the sin and all the stuff from our past. And then we've got to just stay in the house. Everybody say stay in the house. Stay in the house. You see, in fact, this is what happens with Rahab. One of the conditions that she would be saved was they, they told her. You can find it in Joshua chapter 2. They said, we want you to hang down the scarlet, scarlet thread or the scarlet rope. And then this is what we want you to do. Go get all your family. Get them in the house and stay in the house. If you get out of the house, we're not responsible for you. But when you stay inside the house, then you will be saved, you and your whole family. You know what the truth is, is a lot of us, we receive the forgiveness that comes through what Christ has done on the cross for us, but we never get ourselves planted in a house. In fact, I see it as a pastor so many times. People come to church, have an experience with God. God tugs at their heart. They surrender their life to him. They say a prayer. But then they go out into life and it gets difficult, it gets hard. There's struggles, there's stuff that happens. And before long, we're kind of back out of the house of God and back into our old life. I see it. Some people even come two, three months, two or three years. But when things get difficult or when they get bored or whenever they get tempted and drawn away, they go back to the life that they live. In fact, some people, you know, instead of just, you know, going back to their old life, they just go from house to house to house, church to church to church to church to church, hopping all over the place and never getting planted and rooted. And here's the deal. It's not enough just to open the door and let Jesus come into your life and change you. It's not enough even to let him let him heal the scars of your past. You've got to find a place, a house, the house of God to get planted in so that he can he can bring you plant you in as a seed so that eventually he can use you to bring about a mighty harvest Rahab and her family stayed in the house because they stayed in the house she was saved but not just her she wasn't the only one rescued it was her family God used her to rescue her family and not even just that but to leave an incredible legacy behind In fact, if you study Rahab, the next time you're going to hear the name of Rahab is not in the Old Testament. It's actually in the New Testament. 
It actually is found in Matthew chapter 1, at the beginning of the Gospels. Matthew begins his Gospel with what is known as a genealogy. It's not exactly exciting reading. If you've ever read through the one-year Bible, sometimes you kind of want to skip over that part because what it is is it starts with Abraham, and all the way from Abraham all the way down to Jesus, Matthew just begins to say Abraham had a son, and then Abraham's son had a son, and Abraham and that son had a son, and all the way down, 42 different grandfathers of Jesus. And as you read it, you're going, oh, man, kind of falling asleep here. But right in the middle of those 42 Men, those 42 grandfathers of Jesus, Matthew chooses to mention four different women. Now, that wasn't something that was, that was really part of the culture that day, and yet in the middle of these grandfathers, Matthew decides to put four grandmothers of Jesus in the genealogy. Why would he do that? I think one of the reasons that he would do that is because Matthew himself knew what it meant to have a pretty messed up past. Matthew was a tax collector. In those days, tax collectors were liars and cheaters and thieves. He was an outsider. And I think maybe Matthew was just kind of wanting us to know as he inserted these four women, these four grandmothers of Jesus in with these 42 grandfathers. I think he was just kind of wanting us to know that regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done, God still has a plan for you. In fact, as we look at the genealogy in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse number Verse number three, look what it says. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. How many remember the story of Tamar? Pretty messed up story. In fact, probably one of the darkest and most shameful stories in the Bible. Go and read about it. Then it says, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Who we're talking about today, Rahab. She's a prostitute. Pretty messed up story. And then Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now you say, well, Ruth didn't have that mess up of a past, but Ruth wasn't even a Jew. And yet she was included in the genealogy of Jesus. She was one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus and wasn't even Jewish. Come on, right? And then it goes on and says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Uriah's wife. Now it doesn't say her name, but we know who that is. Bathsheba, right? And what was it with Bathsheba? Bathsheba was actually the victim in the story where the king said, bring her to me. And she had no choice, right? And what was, what was Matthew trying to say as he's talking about Tamar with one of the darkest and ugliest stories in the Bible, when he's talking about Rahab, who was a prostitute, when he's talking about someone, Ruth, who wasn't even a Jew, when he's talking about Bathsheba, who was a victim in a story, and yet they became, they became mentioned in the great, 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 grandmothers of Jesus in his genealogy. I believe he was trying to tell us through Tamar that God can forgive even the darkest of sins, that he was trying to tell us through Rahab that God can use you even regardless of your past, that he was trying to tell us through Ruth that God will not leave anyone out, that he includes all of us into his plan. He was trying to tell us through Bathsheba that God can heal any situation. So the next time you feel like God can't use me, God doesn't have a plan for me, you remember Rahab. You remember Tamar. You remember Ruth. You remember Bathsheba. You remember the great, great, great grandmothers of Jesus. And you remember that God can use anyone. He can use you. He can use me if we will open our lives up to him.